All right, welcome to the RSP cast. Joining me this week is Lori Fitzpatrick with TD Wire. Lori, always glad to have you back. It should be a fun week of conversation. Absolutely. Week four, we're getting the thickest stuff, finding out who's bad, who's not, who's awesome. It's great. Yeah, I'm excited. For sure. And we've got, you know, this has been kind of a fun week because we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, kind of the resurrection of the run game, at least in this past month. Um, and probably where it's, where that may lead this season. We're talking about Trevor Lawrence and Jalen Hurts and their schemes. Some thoughts about Arthur Smith and you know the public perception of him. We're going to talk about are the Cowboys a real threat with Cooper Rush under center? Is Kenny Pickett ready? Um, you know, and has Geno Smith earned a long term opportunity? So a fair bit of quarterback stuff. But, you know, let's put these quarterbacks on the back burner because where it's at right now, it seems like, is that we're seeing a lot of too high shells. You know, um, you know, just last year, they teams were successfully able to kind of limit the Chiefs offense to a degree and slow them down a bit. And it seems like the whole league is copying, doing too high. You know, a lot of we've seen a lot of base nickel for a while. I think anybody who's watched football, especially two running back wonks like us, is probably thinking, well, at some point, teams are just going to run this down the throat of opposing defenses. And so, you know, looking at this, Lori, I, you know, one of the things I'm, that that I want to ask you is, are you noticing more too high shells? Are you seeing a rise? in the round game, especially what I've seen is more, I, I, I'll say the rise in round, ground game actually is like statistically there. Like there's apparently there's like um, 16 teams that are at a higher run percentage this year um, than they were all last year at this point. And that stat may correct itself. But what I did count up that was fascinating is I just took an arbitrary this number may seem arbitrary, but I took how many starting running backs in the in the NFL last week rushed at least got at least nineteen carries, it, not not touches, carries, nineteen carries, and I used nineteen, Lori, because I thought somewhere around twenty is about the point where if you're if you're averaging a good number of yards per clip, that your offense is being successful running the ball, especially if you're going to be going to run the ball that much. That, and so at that point, that seems to be the breaking point. I, I thought that would be you're having a successful day running the ball. So I counted how many how many running backs ran the ball at least 19 times last week. And the number was 12. And that's a high number. So And I thought that seems kind of high. So I looked this whole month. Nobody, there, no other week did they run 12. Were there 12 backs who ran at least 19 times? So then I started going back. And it took me back to 2014, week two. That was wow. the last time during a September that that um, there were at least 12 running backs who carried the ball 19 times in a game. Um, so I'm not talking about all the other months, but still in the opening months of September, it literally it's been almost a decade. Um, and so they're running the ball more, <laughs> and they're and but. What I wonder about is I seem to see a lot more gap plays like, you know, trap mm -hmm. and counter and power and they're doing it oh, out yeah. of spread. Are you noticing the same thing with that? And and what are your thoughts? Do you think the run game is going to continue to to be a thing this year? Or do you think teams are going to adjust this year and, and kind of put it back in its place that it's been? It's It's tough, right? So... I think there's a couple different reasons for that. Um, number one is wide receivers are getting better. Coming out of college, they're just, I mean, you know, I'm young, I guess. So I'm a young whippersnapper. So I could say, you know, oh, they're getting better than, you know, guys like, you know, um, like Carter and everything else. Like that was obviously a good era of football. But I, I think overall, the skill set of wide receivers are just getting better. You know, technology is always evolving, so it um, it allows for uh, you know college players to get that high quality training, and so they're coming out of college like right out the gate, right, and and they're killing it, right. So too high is like the only way to stop these guys, um, and 
defenses aren't adjusting as much, especially when the offenses are running, uh, when they're running um, like no huddle and they don't have a chance to switch. And so they're taking advantage of the run game in that way. And, and the best way to take advantage of that is using the gap scheme so the running back can have an extra blocker because you have two safeties deep in the field. So then, you know, by the time that the, the, the pooler gets all the way around, you're, the running back's already at the second level, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's basically spreading them super thin, and you're, you're basically giving it to the running back to, to do really well. And I think that goes hand in hand with the bad quarterbacks that we have right now. Like across the league, the quarterback play is just not as good or, or at the standard. Like, yeah, Geno Smith is playing really well, and we'll get into that. Cooper Rush isn't doing too bad. But it's just like all these teams have like backup quarterbacks. So it's like, it's like the run game, you, the, you have to use that. And so they're just using no huddle offenses and they're taking advantage of these too high. It feels like we're going back to like air raid offenses. Either you're throwing super far and the defenses are, you know, adjusting to that or you're running right off of that deep throw. And it's just like it's catching it's catching all the defenses off like it's catching them off guard. Yeah, and uh, it's, so and I think it's a great point and 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 you know, you talked about one of the things that you brought up before the show was the idea of that we're seeing more two-back sets. We're seeing tight ends and fullbacks becoming more relevant as lead blockers. And it seems like a lot of that, too, is because you're spreading these defenses out mm -hmm. the, and they have to be lighter. They have to be, they have to be able to run. <laughs> and back you know, 15 years ago or even six, seven years ago, you know, when people would say, well, you don't see a lot of gap plays in the NFL, not to the level you see them in college. Why is that? And most coaching people would, or football people would say, well, in the NFL, these athletes on defense, you know, they're too big, they're too strong. They match up well enough against pullers that they're, they can overpower that and they're, fa they're fast enough that you, you know, in order to be a good team with gap plays, you have to have a dominant offensive unit and mm -hmm. there's just not enough to match up with the dominant defensive athletes. But now that we're spreading the field, yep. these guys not are not the case anymore. <laughs> no, now it's like it's the the, the worm has turned, and it's like, and go ahead. No, it's I think it's awesome because like you and I were both like running back like connoisseurs in a way where we we love to look at these guys coming out of college. Like when you have other people saying that it's overrated or you know the it's a dying breed to be a running back now with all these quick linebackers and all these these smaller safeties to be able to catch up with these fast wide receivers they're also over pursuing and that's just like a recipe for success with a running back that can make cuts you know in the change of direction and all they have to do is cut it back and they have they have green grass ahead of them because these linebackers are too fast they're over pursuing yeah so, yeah, and I hate to say it this way because it's probably not as accurate as I'm going to state it, but you know, there's a level there, you know, running gap and running zone are completely opposite in terms of how you approach the line and the kind of the directions of where you read things. At least that's what like my buddy Chad Span, who's a former NFL running back, how he would describe it and he's described on the RSP. And I and where I've probably oversimplified it is I, I joke that gap is kind of like fill in the blank, a test that's fill in the blank, whereas whereas zone is often more multiple choice. Unless you run in Kyle Shanahan's offense where he wants, he tells you it's multiple choice, but he really wants you to fill in the blank. Because um, it's more of an area of like, with gap, it's like you have one crease, sometimes you'll have a cutback, but it's rare um, that you can find, that you're going to really access it. Because if you don't, if you have an obvious cutback and you're good enough to take it, do it. But you're likely going to fail if you don't, if it's not obvious, if you try to cut back on a gap play. But you may be able to bounce it. You, you know, usually you're though you're manipulating that one crease and you hit it hard and fast. With a lot of zone work, there's a little more manipulation of defenders into blockers. You're you're being a little more patient. There's a little bit. There's more options for you to to create. And I think what we're seeing too is that 
there are a lot of running backs who've come into the league who were better gap players who were coming in on wide zone and they tried to convert them on wide zone because that's kind of like the easiest conversion to zone if you ask me like to go from fill in the blank where wide zone is kind of more of like you've got to hit things a little faster you got to be a little faster to the edge they want you to hit it a little bit harder but if you're running more like inside stuff you know you got to be a little bit more nuanced and some of these guys who were who were better gap runners couldn't do the inside stuff as well they didn't they didn't have the footwork they didn't understand you know or they didn't have the execution of how to really manipulate or read keys and then be able to find set up the cutbacks and now it's like guys like Rashad Penny were made for gap plays that's what he ran at San Diego State and putting him in gap like right now in Seattle you know running against defenses that are light it's just like a match made in heaven for guys like that and so it feels like a two-part question for you is one is like do you find you know that we're going to see this is going to be easier for running backs coming out into the draft because now there's more choices, more gap opportunities. So it's in a sense that like we're going to get the athletes are going to be now the athletes over the technicians in a sense. So there's going to be more, you're, you're going to see more guys who are athletes getting good opportunities over the next couple of years because they don't have to be as technically advanced as a decision maker or with footwork. Um, in, in some ways. And then I guess the other question I want to have is it's funny that you mentioned that quarterbacks are, are not as good, but receivers are, are really strong. And I agree with you, but like, I'd love for you to, I'd love for us to have a conversation about that as to why that is, why, how, how are the receivers getting better, but the quarterbacks are <laughs> somewhat getting worse. It would seem like that they would be on, on an equal plane, but I think we both probably have theories as to why that is. Yeah. I mean, for one, um, just to touch on the, the wide receiver and, and quarterback, I think right now, the, like from last year, last year's draft, the quarterback class was just not very good. And so you have next year's draft and then in the next two years where the quarterbacks coming out are like, they're, they're playing really well right now in college. And so I think NFL teams are just waiting uh, and they're playing who they have because they don't, you know, they're willing to give up everything they have now for the future uh, because there are some really good quarterbacks coming out. And so it's just like, okay, let's just play who we have now. Let's not, you know, we're not, we're not going to win right now anyway. And so like you have all these teams um, that are, you know, that are kind of like weigh in and seeing what they have with like Daniel Jones and like, is he the guy? And you're just like playing average, but the wide receivers, it hasn't dipped at all. And so it's kind of just like compensating like, okay, well, we have this amazing running back now, so let's just use him. Uh, and it, it seems to be working because the wide receivers are so good and you have to play that two shell. Uh, so yeah, it's, you know, that extra safety isn't in the box. Do you think, do you think also that quarterbacks, the way, the way that the offenses are schemes are in the college game, that receivers nowadays, one is like you said, the training's better. They're, they're being trained to run better routes, or at least there's more training on footwork and how to run certain routes, as well as that there's more emphasis on route options to maybe like diagnose things on a level that they have to be a little bit more on the same page with quarterbacks. So maybe they're a little bit more, maybe they're not as advanced as they were heading into the NFL. I mean, like, you know, Devonta Adams talks about all the time that like it took him three years to really learn the, the conceptual mental side of route adjustments and reading defenses at the NFL level that he needed to, to get to where he needed to be. But physically he was physically, he's like, he had no worries about, you know, working out in the NFL. And I think that a lot of guys are physically advanced at that level. So now it's about just the mental game. But then on the same token, quarterbacks, because of spread offenses, and we're going to get into this more with like Lawrence and Hurts. And I, and I think this might be a good way to kind of go get into that is that it seems to me when I watch, it's not that they can't read the field. I've seen them make one, two, three progression reads, sometimes more. But what I see a lot is that these 
these coaches look at them and go, look, they're mobile. They've got big arms. They can extend plays. But rather than try and rely on them as young guys to like make make one read on one side of the field and then quickly turn to the opposite side and, and, and make the quick read and throw it accurately. Instead, let's, let's create some things where we're, we're scheming plays where there's really one read that they're hoping to get to, to get one guy open in space. And whether it's a route combination with some motion pack, um, packages pre-snap or some misdirection in one area where the quarterback looks like he's dropping back and looking to the left. He's really just baiting the defense to set up this one play where most of the resources are going, whether it's like Jalen Hurts and all the tight end screens that they do, or whether it's you know some of the stuff to Agnew that you see with Lawrence. It just seems mm-hmm. to me that it may not be all the plays, and it certainly isn't all the plays, but there's a lot. It seems like they have a both have a hefty amount of plays where the offense is, is kind of heavily schemed for them with a lot of, I call it window dressing, and it sounds kind of like a, a, a pejorative way to, about, to talk about these guys. But I think it's more that it's just creative. It's creative methods to leverage what they do well but while minimizing the amount of um, you know, two, three read progressions that they've mm-hmm. that other that maybe more advanced quarterbacks conceptually have had to do. It doesn't mean they won't get there, but it seems like they're saying Lawrence's problem is we don't we want him to get the ball out quickly. And if he can do that and we can create an offense where he can think he he doesn't have to make as many decisions you know, in the pocket and take as much time, the better. And it seems like both guys coming out of school, what I always saw with them was the longer they held on the ball, the more invested they got in trying to make a big play because they got away. And at worst they got, yes. So is there something to do with that? Is that, you know, these guys get recruited as athletes. They play well as athletes at college, but now they conceptually have to bring their game up and, that struggle is real enough that off, you know, teams or coaches are thinking we've got to, you know, we only ease have them a certain, in. Yeah. we got to ease them in because we're going to have to use them right away. They've spent so much money on them. Yeah. And, and I hate that. Like, I love the whole like Aaron Rodgers like story, how he sat behind Brett Favre. And, you know, I, I love that. Um, but unfortunately, like, yeah, like these athletes are just like too good to keep them on the sideline. Um, but then you have to – it's basically relied on the offensive coordinator or the play caller, which could be the head coach, to, like, be really good at his job or else your team is going to stink, yeah. you know? And so it's like these guys are just, like, game managers until they really flourish and grow into their own. And just to touch touch on what you were saying about, like, Devontae Adams and, and him kind of learning, like, the huge difference between wide receivers and the quarterbacks is, like, you know, you, you will have the time as a wide receiver. You don't have that time as a quarterback, yeah. you know, to, to learn it or else next man up type yeah. of deal. Like, oh, he doesn't have it. And it's a shame because, like, maybe he does and it just takes him a minute. Like, Geno Smith, and I'm once again, we'll get into that. Like, maybe it takes time for these, these guys. Like, it takes anybody time to, like, really understand what you're getting into. Um, like, even writing myself, you know, it's taken a year to really get into a good rhythm before I start putting things out on time. Yes. You know, and it's the same with being an athlete, especially at the level from college to NFL. It's a huge jump. And they're thinking, oh, this guy's not ready. He's not ready. And it's just like, can you give this guy time? And if you don't have a good coordinator, that all falls on the quarterback. And it's just not fair. No, yeah, it's a, <laughs> you know? it's an unbelievably good point because how do we look at – how it's such a weird um, – issue that you say quarterback is the most difficult position to play in sport but they have to play right away yeah and but wide receiver and tight end might be the third or fourth most difficult position to according to the major media and they give they think well it may take two to three years for those guys to get on the field but a lot of it to them is a lot of things that you hear at least i hear is about catching up physically you, you know but Wide receivers rarely, but tight ends you see that like they got yeah. a lot of, got to get in the weight room. But with quarter, it's so that's such a great point because I mean, with a quarterback, it's it's such a performance oriented job 
where you're on a stage, the pressure is real when you're on the stage in it, you know, when you're on the field with the lights on and you're, and you're facing grown men in compared to what you're doing in college, the offenses are more sophisticated. The defenses are more sophisticated. The way that defenders bait quarterbacks is more sophisticated, you know, and then on top of that, you know, you, the pressure of all of that in the public eye to play right away. And owners are a big part of that. It seems like that they're, mm -hmm. you know, Dan Hatman and I always have this conversation. And by the way, I talked to Dan before the show, he says, hi, uh, but <laughs> cause I told him we were going on and he, uh, he, you know, he talks about all the time is that, you know, that there's accuracy to the idea that owners see what the, that the grass is greener somewhere else. And they're like, these mm -hmm. quarterbacks, well, we got to we, we got to get one that'll start right away too. And to me, it started with Ben Roethlisberger back in the day, and it's like escalated to this point that that it's just totally makes no sense. These, I mean, Steve, Aaron Rodgers, Steve Young, Tom Brady, um, Drew Brees, these are examples of guys who have been who were in the league up until even last year. Some of them who or and some of them still playing, who waited. Steve Young waited yeah. four years, you, you know, but you know, to and they needed that time to learn. And 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 I've often talked about Brett Favre saying Marty Schottenheimer taught him more about development than Sean Payton because he said mm. I I got benched a lot. He goes, but Schottenheimer knew how to bench me. He was like, you're still our guy. You're just things are getting beyond you right now. You've thrown a couple of interceptions or you threw one interception, we're in a close game, uh, or we're not in a close game right now, and I think you're, you're, you're head swimming, sit on the bench, watch our backup, whether it was Flutie or it was, I'm trying to remember who else it was, and if we get close, you're my guy. I'm going to bring you back in because you need that experience. That's and, crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But now that the, the guy gets benched, the coach won't even talk to the guy. Yeah. Just like Garoppolo, it's like you, you get written off. You know, until until it's your time. Oh, you're back again. It's like so fake, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just like, but no, I I think um having the like the versatility is a big part of it, um uh, because they can come in and they can run and they can use their use their legs to kind of overcompensate. I think Steve Young was is you know a different. I mean, well, he he uses legs. I would say he would be the anomaly to that because yeah. you know Tom Brady. I mean, you know Drew Drew Brees can obviously use his legs, but he is is just like a magician in the pocket and moving within the pocket. Quarterbacks aren't doing that as much, especially coming out of college. They're more they're using their legs. They're using that RPO. And so they they can come in and they can start right away because they can use their legs, but really it's not fair for them because they're not learning. And it's just like they're not learning the true way to play. Um like Tom Brady really going through your reads. Um but the point to like the original question was like them having those one read plays. And I don't, I don't think the league is going to catch up though. Um, and what they're going to do is they're going to disguise. And that's really all they can do is disguise to make them not go to that first read. Yeah. But Tom Brady even said himself, he knows who he's going to before the ball is even snapped. Yep. And that's why I like that one read play design because you should know and the coach should tell you what is going to be open. Like, obviously, if the defenses can disguise it, then you have to be you have to have the poise as a quarterback to go through the rest of your reads. And that will happen. Um, but I think it's like that whole like Tom Brady, the way that he already knows who he's going to. And that's because he's already one step ahead of the defense because he knows this is a disguise. So I think the quarterbacks just have to be better in like in the books when they're studying rather than the league catching up and forcing them to not go to their first read because I don't think it's going to happen. I think that they should go to their first read because they should scheme it where they know who's going to be open. And that's what Tom Brady does. That's why he's so good because he's actually one step ahead of that disguise yeah and he catches the he'll often catch the disguise late pre-snap like where the defense gives a tell the defense will yeah. give a tell like maybe a beat or two before the snap where the the safety starts to slide inside or climb a He's step forward yep 
something of that nature. And I think that that's a perfect point with that. And and when you look at the difference, say between Lawrence and Hertz right now, I look at obviously Hertz has an you know has an extra year on him. Hertz is also a guy where I look at the Eagles team as a whole, and I would say while the Jaguars we talked about are up and coming, Hertz. The, the Eagles line is one of the best in the league and they oh, yeah. run such a diverse set of, of, of blocking schemes in terms of what they can do in the run game that there's a lot more there's, I think that their offense is richer in terms of the ways that they can disguise some of their plays. You mm-hmm. see like they'll do tight end screens and then they'll make a play where it looks like it's going to be a tight end screen. Um, with a, maybe a crossing route, and then it turns out to be double po- double slants or exactly. a, a double double seams, and and they can they can really kind of weave their game plan together where you're they get you thinking one thing, and then it's the and then it's something else. Whereas I think with Jacksonville, it's more kind of dependent on like the wide receivers breaking a coverage based on how they pair them together or group them together, and some of the stuff isn't quite as creative. I think it's effective, but if I were to like forecast who's going to have a better year this year, I would still say Hertz is still, you know, he still has the edge statistically right now, but I think there's just more, more materials for him to work with on offense that are of yeah. higher quality right now. Yeah. And I think that offensive line has a big, like that's a big part of it. Um, you know, they can run. I think I saw uh, Ben Fennell. Uh, he was talking about, him and um him and Greg Cassell was talking about how much they use eleven personnel and the different of ver- you know the different varieties of plays that they use just from one single package, and it's just I don't think the Jaguars' offensive line is there yet yeah. um to be able to block and and be able to to have that diverse playbook off of one look uh you know I think they'll get there um. You know, but there was huge questions about Hertz last year. Uh, you know, being able to to go to his left side and things like that. Like, oh, he only goes to his right, and that's because the defenses were kind of like catching up to him. Okay, well, he's good at this part, but it, you know, it does take a year. Uh, you know, for these guys to to really know. Okay, you know, who's that first read? Who's open? Trust in the playbook. Trust in the scheme. Yeah. Um, and I think Peterson is you know gaining the trust of his team. So I do think they'll get there um it's just you know yeah it's gonna take it's gonna you know take a little bit now ultimately the the big question i think that i know a lot of listeners will probably have and i think that you know i know i do too is at some point it seems like the once you start getting the point of where you're talking about the best teams the best defenses oftentimes can shut down certain offenses or shut down certain plays because they've, like you said, they've seen it enough, they've done enough advanced scouting, or they have the personnel to really do it or to foil what happens. And I and I think my concern, and I wonder, my concern is about guys like Lawrence and Hertz and where the the team offenses are going. Am I am I reading too much in this to say that, you know? Is there a point where we look at these teams and say, well, these quarterbacks who are managing systems in a sense right now, and while they have the potential to be to grow into a Brady or a Breeze or someone or a Rogers where they can read the full field like Lamar Jackson is starting to do, um, you know, do they get are they the type of teams that go into the playoffs and just basically get eliminated because their quarterback just like Kyler Murray? Yeah, like Kyler Murray, you know, their quarterback just isn't there. Their system manager who wings the ball, but when the defense says, "Be patient, manage the game, manage yeah. the pocket," are they going to be able to do that? You know, put in that little clause: must watch film. <laughs> you know, you have to like you. You have to overcompensate in one area. If you aren't the Tom Brady, if you aren't the Drew Brees, if you aren't like the Ben who isn't going to run all over the field, like you have to be able to read what the defense is putting out there. Like you have to be one step ahead in another area. Um, and it's more about scheming it up in order to catch up to the Tom Brady type of uh, type of, you know, passing style that he has. I think they offer something different. Um, and it's, you know, it's kind of like Mahomes where, he has the weapons to 
compensate when he, you know, when the defense knows what he's doing, when he could just, the rapport is a big part of it where, you know, he knows that his wide receivers are going to mirror him when the defense gets, puts too much pressure on him. Um, but he can also throw it up and knows knows that his guys are going to make a play. And that's why Hertz is going to be more successful because of the weapons that surround him. Goddard, A.J. Brown, you know, Devontae Smith is one of the – dude, He he's just so good. Um, but, you know, Lawrence also doesn't have that yet. He's surrounded by, you know, n- no hate on Evan Ingram, but he was dropping a ton of balls last year. It's like, right. who the heck is he? Um, then they just bring in Zay Jones, and it's just like they give him this big contract, and, you, you know, you wouldn't have imagined that Zay Jones would be, like, the ex-wide receiver. Yeah. Um, you know, Christian Kirk is, like, the best, you know, guy that they have in terms of, like, skill set. So it's just like when when the reading the defenses don't doesn't work out, uh, you can just throw it up and know that they'll make a play. Um, and, you know, that's what Hurts can do, and that's kind of like what Mahomes was doing, and why he was so successful. Yeah, and I think, and I think it also comes down to this too, which is that I I agree with Greg Cosell's longtime th- thoughts about quarterbacking is that even if you can run, even if you're mobile, you've got to be able to win from the pocket, and you have to be able to maneuver the pocket. Like I look at Steve Young oh, yeah. or Steve McNair or even more modern day guys like Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson can win from the pocket. He can move. Mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson is one of the best from the pocket in the game in terms of how he can make small moves and keep his eyes downfield. Kyler Murray is among the worst. Kyler Murray is Ky- Kyler Murray is like he drops his head, the ball goes way behind him and he runs from one spot to the next. Now, he can buy a ton of time. He's great at scrambling, but he's not great at maneuvering the pocket. He forces his receivers to reroute. We see the same thing on a lesser scale and a far less successful scale with Baker Mayfield. He's the same type of player where his maneuvering of the pocket is limited, more side to side than really climbing. He doesn't mm-hmm. like to climb. And you see that when he does have when he has to maneuver the pocket, he tends to break it, break the break the contain of the pressure and forces receivers to reroute and the and yeah. the better quarterbacks can be efficient with their movement and allow the receivers to just move to their next window. If you yeah. have to if you can't do that and you have to break the pocket, now you're forcing re- receivers to have to adjust yeah. and you're taking more time. Cuz they were just open, but you decided to put your head down instead of just step up in the pocket when it was collapsing at your yeah. back. And all you had to do was step up because your wide receiver was actually open, uh, but you had to evade. Uh, and that's where it's just like, I think it was, I don't know if it was Robbie Anderson um, or DJ Moore. Was DJ. That was DJ like, oh yeah, like, you know, your uh, the the head coach rule said, uh, you know, the receivers can do a better job getting up. They are getting open. Yeah. They are getting open. It's Baker that isn't maneuvering the pocket well enough. Um, so what, they have to be open for a solid 10 seconds in order for you to think that they're actually open? Like, come on, it's just, yeah. you know, it's not fair. And those guys aren't going to work out unless the rapport is top-notch. Yeah. You know, and, and that's why Mahomes did work out. And, you know, because he is good at doing that because of the rapport that he has with his wide receivers. Yeah. Especially Kelsey, man. Like, he can pretty much throw it anywhere in his vicinity. Yeah. So it's just like those quarterbacks will work out if they trust in the playbook, you know, it's schemed where, you know, when they do trust in their playbook, it'll work out. Uh, but they also have the the players around them uh, to be able to rely on and trust. For sure. I mean, look at Josh Allen as an example with his development. And, and that's a thing that, you know, I think that is a good question that that I know we want to talk about is that is that when we look at guys like Lawrence, and Justin Fields, you know, when they play poorly, Josh Allen's second year is often <laughs> brought up, and the oh, same yeah. with Peyton Manning. So, you know, when we look at those guys, you know, I, I can tell you I've been one of those people that I looked at Fields as pre-draft and said he should be on a Josh Allen plan. Now, my thought of that was when I watched Josh Allen, the, the big issue that I saw with him is that he didn't read the field particularly well at certain points 
he tended to abandon the pocket, kind of like Baker. He would step up, but he would tend to try and abandon the pocket and force players to reroute. And it, and he didn't always see the field well, or he got too invested in plays like Trevor and like Jalen did. And, mm -hmm. and he would try and stick throws that he had no business trying to do. And what, what happened from my eyes in Buffalo was that year one, they were like, listen, if you can't get to past your first read, just run the ball. We're not <laughs> spreading the field. You're in shotgun. It's okay. We don't care. You're a big dude. You, you know, if that's what you need to do, we're not going to, we're not going to make you feel, we're not going to make you crazy about the idea that you couldn't get to your second or third read. But the next years they brought in talent and they started running much more, you know, far many more concepts where the receivers are breaking across the field as opposed to breaks that just break back to the quarterback or had one window. Cause usually, you know, if you run a comeback, you run a hook, you run, you run certain types of routes like that. There's really just one window and maybe two if they come work back towards the quarterback deep enough for mm -hmm. the quarterback to take advantage, but then they have to reroute. And if, and if Allen was breaking the pocket, he would miss a lot of these opportunities. And now these guys are rerouting and it becomes a lot more of, like you said, a rapport issue and a lot of things flying around at the same time. Now, if, receivers are running crossing routes or over routes or posts and they're breaking across the field you have two to three windows and you mm -hmm. and if you do break across the field they're not rerouting they're still continuing along their path and you have more opportunities and i think they did josh allen a solid by starting him off that way and then they started incorporating more of these routes that break back to the quarterback once he started to really acclimate to what he could do with that first concept and with some better players. And I looked at Justin Fields and I felt the same way watching him that he needed an offense around him where he was going to have more windows to throw. And they feature him a lot in Chicago on verticals that either like are breaking to the boundary or breaking back to the quarterback where he doesn't have as many windows to consider when he breaks outside the pocket or when he break or it's not open one's not open right away and he's in the thick of the pocket so that's where to me i see that whole idea of where maybe it's not working out for him but the idea that josh allen's second year well he wasn't all that strong i would imagine that's where you're coming from is that he wasn't all that strong in year two and now he's great just give justin fields time just give trevor lawrence time and it'll happen for them give them more talent but i mean there's that isn't there some of that equation being that Josh Allen is the anomaly who actually yeah. is a good, really freaking good player who, who kind of bucked the odds because, you know, he's, I've had people say he's going to ruin quarterback evaluation for the next eight to 10 years because everyone's going to say, well, just, just give him three years and he'll be good. <laughs> and it's, yeah. and, and it's like, he'll ruin franchises. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, it, I, I think the same thing though. Um, no, I, I just, I don't think that you can follow that same, that, you know, that whole thing, you know, oh, just, uh, give Josh Allen, you know, he was terrible in his second year. Look at his third year. Um, you know, it's, he, he's an anomaly. He's not a guy that you, you know, that, that you can just wait it out. Cause like you're saying, it's, it's going to ruin a lot of things. Um, you know, I, I think Allen has a different skill set than guys like Lawrence and Hertz. You know, um, you know, they used to call Hertz noodle arm. You know, they would never call Josh Allen noodle arm. You know, he he's got a rocket. Yeah. And so it's it's more like a a Brett Favre thing where just like you know see how far you can throw it type of deal, um, and and trust and rely on your guys. Um, but no, I, I definitely. I didn't. Re I wasn't really aware of how they kind of schemed the offense around Josh Allen in that way, where like you know that with the one read with the curls and things like that. Um, because it's just like that leads to so many more drops too. And then you look at Fields last year and all the drops that the Bears had. It was just like it makes so much sense now. It's just kind of like coming to me just now. Like with the curls, you're you're basically getting hit when you're trying to catch it if the quarterback and you aren't on like an amazing page where he's letting the ball go before you even make your break. And it's just like, 
<laughs> Justin Fields wasn't even playing full time. He was like coming in and out. And it's just like, how can you get on a, a rapport with, with your wide receivers when that offense is built the way it is? It's just like you're, you know, there's no way it's going to work out. Um, yeah. So. yeah, there's more demand. I think it's just more demanding for the quarterback early, especially with the poor protections that they had set up in Chicago anyhow with Fields. But it's that it's to, to me, it just made more sense that when you have digs crossing the field and there's three windows of availability to him and you miss the first one because mm-hmm. you're you're turning your back on the defense to, to spin away and, and roll out. Well, if if Diggs is still running in your direction or Davis or Emmanuel Sanders or whoever Dawson Knox, if two, at least two of your receivers are crossing in a direction that or they're crossing on levels above and below, you have more opportunities where it's just, it takes less time. And I think that that's where the, you know, the, some of the top conceptual quarterbacks have the advantage where like, you know, Matt Ryan may be struggling right now, but the thing that Matt Ryan always did well was he could stay in a, stay in a relative spot and move around a little bit within that spot but know where everybody was on the field and have the timing and anticipation, as you mentioned, to be able to hit receivers on that level. But I mean, you know, there's so much more into that jump than he needs two, three years. It's like, that's like, yeah, it's not going to exactly like, it's not going to happen. Like, especially because of who surrounds him, Um, you know, for, for, for the bills, it's just like such an ideal situation. Um, And all the stars pretty much aligned. Uh, for that to work out and it's just such an unrealistic expectation to have that Josh Allen theory uh, when it comes to all these second year quarterbacks like unless they're in a perfect situation like just don't set yourself up for failure and think that that's going to happen because it's not yeah so so team you know I've seen a lot of writers and the public saying late Arthur Smith is the problem for Kyle Pitts's production and I don't know about you, but I'd like to talk about Mariota and whether you think he's a big factor in this as well. Um, yes, he is. Uh, but <laughs> I have a question first. Um, okay. Last week, Pitts only played 62% of the total snaps. Is that normal? Because I don't think it is. Yeah, I don't think it is either. So um, there's Arthur Smith right there. Like I think it's definitely a factor of both. Mariota is just like he's stepping into pressure. He's hesitating. He's inaccurate. He's throwing behind wide receivers. I don't know what happened, but but let's let's just continue. You were saying you're they who's throwing behind wide receivers. Yeah, Mariota, he's stepping in pressure, he's he's hesitating, he's inaccurate, he's throwing behind wide receivers, and the receivers have to, like, completely adjust, um, and, you know, it's leading to interceptions, um, so, you know, I, I definitely think Mariota is a part of it, um, but Arthur Smith, like, isn't scheming pits into the game either, you know, um, then there's, I looked it up, and Mariota is 30th in the league with time to throw. Yeah. Um, meaning he doesn't have time to throw. Yeah. Uh, like, like he, he, he's waiting. That's what I mean. So the amount of time, the average amount of time that he's in the pocket before he makes the throw. Um, you know, like Lawrence and Hurts right now are super quick. They're one of the quickest in the league behind Tom Brady in terms of getting the ball out. Um, Mariota is 30th. That's crazy. So it's just like nobody's on the same page. Like they're dropping snaps. Pitts isn't even in the game, you know, on top of Mariota not being good. So it's just like who to blame, I think, is like almost everywhere. Yeah. That's just my opinion, though. And I haven't watched like a ton of Falcons. But, you know, when when knowing that we were jumping on here talking about them, I did watch some of them. And that's just like what I saw. And I was just like Pitts isn't even in the game. Yeah, I think part of the issue, too, is that I think what you're talking about makes total sense, because when you look at it, I think it's a confluence of factors. One is that you can tell when you watch them that they're constructing this offense where, one, they want to run the ball more. 
They want to keep it out of Mariota's mm-hmm. hands. Two, when they do have it in his hands, there's a lot of schemed looks with misdirection, with rollouts, with with things where it's about letting Mariota read one side of the field. Now he can again, like a lot of some of these guys, he can read, make multiple reads, but it's not the strength of his game. And you can tell that what they're trying to do is run more schemed looks to get one player open for him to to work, whether it's Drake London paired on the same side with Kyle Pitts and one's the bait for the other, or Kyle Pitts is more the deep guy than, than, than Drake London has been. So defenses are taking away Pitts and saying, let's, let's make Marcus Mariota dink and dunk his way and, and win drives that way because we think he's going to make a mistake and you know, he's more likely to make a mistake if we give him more chances, you know, he has to take more chances to get down the field. And on top of that, when he's in the pocket, he's when his first read doesn't come open, he isn't very decisive with finding that second read. He's not very accurate or trusts himself with those second reads. And so then the combination of the deep, the offense trying to limit Mariota so that they don't have to put it in his hands in those situations too much to the point. And then on top of it, the fact that they're trying to scheme certain players open, that it's almost like a one or other proposition. Yeah. And then Mariota himself is a one or other proposition quarterback <laughs> on top of that means, cause I've been telling people for about three weeks, I'm like, it's not, if you're a fantasy player, it's either Drake London or Kyle Pitts, but rarely is it going to be both for you in a given week. And yeah. part of it is that. And then I think on top of it is Atlanta, they can run block, but their pass protection is shaky as well to an extent. And Mariota, once he he's he's good at running in a straight line, he's a good straight line kind of linear runner with the ball. And they they're they're letting him run. They're like, listen, if we you get hurt running, you're not our permanent answer, but we're gonna leverage your running ability as much as possible. But it's not, I think it's those confluence of things where it's like, you could blame Arthur Smith, but then he can look at and go, look what I've got to work with. Like, he can't say that in the public, but he's kind of like, look what I've got to work with. I've got a, I've got a rookie. I've got a rookie who's got a big arm who can move, but his decision-making needs work and he's green. And then I've got Mariota, you know? I think like sometimes when you have a quarterback like Mariota, the coaches will want to rely on RPOs maybe a little too much too. And it's just like RPO is perfect when you sprinkle it in. Yeah. In the NFL. It's not going to work when that's the whole offense. Yeah. It's just, it's not going to happen. It's good when you can get the pass out quick, like make that quick read, you know, and, and well then just make the throw. Then why do you need to do the RPO? Yeah. Like, or just do the play action, you know, where he go, he rolls out on the boot. Like, why does it need to be an RPO? It's, oh, because he's an RPO quarterback. Like, okay, well, how about you adjust to, you know, what either the game or who you have on offense? Because, like, it's just, I don't know. It just, he had five straight incompletions in the third quarter. And it was just like, anything that you're doing with this guy is just not working. Um, and that, that brings me back to the bad quarterback play in the very beginning. Yeah. It's just like Mariota is still in this game. He's still playing. Like, what the hell? Do you do you do you listen to any R and B music? Yes. Okay. So you know when singers do those fun runs when they're singing that kind of like they're either these are kind of like bluesy runs or they're just yeah, kind of yeah. runs. Well, you mm-hmm. know, those are nice every once in a while, but if you're if the singer all they do <laughs> is like do those runs, then it gets pretty it, it gets pretty monotonous and pretty bad yeah, pretty, pretty quickly. Annoying. Yeah, and I think that that's like really just sing the dang song. <laughs> exactly. I think that's what's going on here is that we've got quarterbacks who or we've got in this offense that they're uh they've got Mariota basically singing runs as opposed to like actually singing a melody. Um, what about Geno Smith though? Cause is he Ooh. has, has he earned a long-term opportunity? I mean, I know it was Detroit and Detroit's got a banged up secondary, but I was impressed with him so far this season. And especially against Detroit where, you know, he seemed to, he gets the ball out fast, his placement on throws. I mean, there were some plays oh, where yeah. Okuda did a pretty good job against Medcalf, or at least was tight enough that the throw had to be like Mahomesian perfect 
in terms of placement. And he was able to make some throws that I just thought were were pretty darn good. And then some ones under pressure that were good. I, I, I don't know if he's learning a long-term opportunity as a legit starter, but he's definitely now in that Ryan Fitzpatrick tier of like, you know, maybe higher than that in terms of like yeah. the guy who you can be your journeyman and bridge. Yeah, it is. It is early, you know, it's still, yeah. you know, we're week four. Um, but I think he was like, he's like sixth in total QBR. His completion percentage is number one. Uh, his yards per attempt is fifth in the league. Um, he's just, he's doing really well. And in my opinion, I think he has learned, earned a long-term opportunity. And that is only because, and just to kind of touch on what we touched on earlier, with these quarterbacks coming out of the league, coming out of uh, college and having to start right away, when it's like, if you have a guy like Geno Smith, who's doing really well, why not still draft a really good quarterback and have him sit under Geno for a year or two? If he is still playing this well as, you know, when the season comes to a close and next season comes about, um, you know, because he he's he's he has incredible accuracy right now. It's just like it's insane. And they're, they're sprinkling in that RPO like how Mariota should be uh, playing it. He's got a strong arm. It's just it's just he's, it seems like he's finally the player that we all thought he was going to be. Yeah. Well, I mean, like he's finally playing that way now. You're making too much sense, my friend. But I, I just wonder if if the if the owners in the steam room talking with their fellow uh, car dealer magnate, who's like, well, ESPN said this or Fox Man. said this. And and, you know, are you when are you guys going to do that? And then they haven't considered what the team's actually thinking yeah. operationally. You you're. The guys you're paying know more than what the guy telling you at the auto dealership is telling you, you know. And and that's why you need to have an owner that is either like you got to have a liaison to talk to me. Right? So you don't listen to all everything or you're completely indulged in it where you know everything and you like you have to be really good um in order to like know your team and say like and have a level head and a team around you to let you know hey like you know don't just because the media is saying this like you know it, it's it's basically play the hot hand and i think it's better to draft a quarterback and let him learn you know because like what we touched on earlier it could be it could be a hit or miss or you know three years down the line you know finally he's going to be good when it's like if you just held on to geno smith you guys would have been fine. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally, I totally agree with that. And it's just, it, I don't know. I would love yeah. to see, I would just love to see teams give these guys in the meat to me, the development. If I got, got to own a team and I drafted a quarterback and we didn't think the quarterback was strong right away, it would be, the plan would be automatically would be the assumption of the plan would be, intermittent starting and benching and and it might drive the fans crazy who are not used to this who are you know under 50 years of age but the, the you know you look at guys like bradshaw and steve mcnair and and other players who went came up in this level is like yeah if you have the right coach and, and they're not afraid for their job after three years and they have you know then you can do things where you say all right the quarterback's starting to sink in a little bit of a quicksand. They're starting not yeah. to see the field well. Put them on the bench. You're still our guy. We're, you're going to play next week. You might even play later in this game. But I need you to watch. and you need, I need you to spend some time looking over these things. I don't need you to pout. I don't need you to worry about what the media is going to say. I don't care about Twitter. I don't care about you know Skip Bayless. I don't care about any of these people. I just want you to get better. Well, do these things that's kind of isn't sorry i'm not go gonna, ahead please no isn't that what they did with lamar jackson so yeah, yeah. and it worked yeah i yeah. remember they won't even let him speak in press conferences they're like no 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 like you played a little bit but you're not talking yeah. you know you need you need to learn the game you need to learn what to say that customer service kind of like what we were talking about before we even jumped on here yeah you know you, you know you have a you have a lot to learn 
So come in, sprinkle in, you know, every now and then. Um, and that's exactly what they did with him. I, you know, I distinctively remember that. Yeah. Uh, and, and look how he turned out. And I think Pete Carroll's, I mean, I don't know how old he is right now, but he's probably in a position where he can do that. You, you would hope, you know. I would like to see him be able to do that for sure. And it's just, it, it's sad. I mean, you need, you need ownership and GMs to agree and be all on the same page with each other about this stuff. And that, I think that's where it's the most difficult. But, I mean, yeah, if, the, if they could do that, I think we would have far better quarterback play in the NFL. And we would probably have more diversity of offenses because you could have the combination. But right now it's like the college game, the, the college game picks athletes who can run and throw because they can make an impact right away. They can deviate from the script a little bit and win. They can fashion offenses yeah. around them. And then the NFL has to pick from that. And yeah, and sometimes often they put them in the wrong position completely. Yeah. And the NFL has to retrain this guy to, like, play linebacker because, no, you're not a tight end. You're actually a linebacker. Like. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly how it goes. And, and, and you know, the college game has limited practice reps that they can have. So they've got to win now if they're in those high, you know, high-end schools, and they've got to make the most out of the athletic ability as opposed to what the actual technical skills could be. So, yeah. so what about Kenny Pickett? Is is he ready? I mean, you, you know, tell me what you saw because I haven't watched this game yet. Uh, so it was funny. I wanted to talk about him before they announced that he's going to be the starter. Because <laughs> um, my case was that he should be the starter. I mean, just look at how he played in preseason. It was it was awesome, right? And But the NFL is, you know, it's a, obviously like a contract. Uh, it's a business. And so, you know, you're paying this guy. You, you know, you paid uh, Mitch Trubisky to kind of come in. And you wanted it to be a situation where, you know, Pickett can kind of learn from Trubisky. But it's like Trubisky's just started playing so poorly. It was like, all right, well, let's bring Pickett in. And he he had – it was funny because PFF had him zero turnover-worthy throws, and he threw three interceptions, right? So it was kind of funny. But when I, I went back and I looked at those interceptions, and they were all tipped – they all hit the wide receiver's hands. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so that's why they were picked off. Um, but he has incredible rapport with his wide receivers right now. He he gave he gave George Pickens an amazing back shoulder throw. I think it was like 15, 20 yards upfield too. Like, and it was just so perfect. And it just seems like the rapport with his wide receivers, and it kind of goes along with what we were talking about. Like, if if you aren't good at making those reads in the pocket, can you rely on the rapport with your wide receivers? And it's an absolute yes for Kenny Pickett. That's um, and that's why he's doing so well. That's awesome. And I think that, you know, it makes sense that if you feel like that your quarterback that you have currently isn't going to win games for you, give Pickett some opportunities right now. And I think with Pickett, what I would say from an advanced scouting standpoint of what to watch for with him to see if he can overcome this is that eventually as NFL teams start to get a book on him and start to – to test out things that he can and can't do based on what they see on individual reps and formulate some game plans against him, which usually takes about four to six games mm -hmm. to, to do. I think one of the things that they're going to see is that when Pickett knows where the blitz is coming from, he knows where the pressure is going to be originating from. He's good at it. If it surprises him, if they can trick him or it arrives at a time or a place that he didn't expect because of a blown um, assignment or due to him just not reading it well enough, he's had a he loses his composure in short circuits. That's where his his weakness can be. So it'll be interesting to see if he can grow through that and have and overcome that some. Um, so let me tell you, right? I was watching this one play that he that he made. the The defense was in an eagle front, right? So it's basically one on one for every single lineman. So, as a quarterback, when you get pressure from, like, not a blitz, usually when it's a blitz, you look in that direction, and generally that guy is open. 
unless the entire defense could shift in the matter of moments where actually the backside of the bit blitz is open. And that doesn't happen like very often. Usually, you know, with normal defenses, average defenses, um, that blitz side, that wide receiver is usually open. Well, Kenny Pickett had was facing an Eagles for Eagle front and his center just got blown up. And this nose tackle was barreling down on him. And he actually he 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 made an amazing throw up the seam to Fryermuth for a touchdown. It was just like wow. wow. He stayed poised like he looked to the left, I believe, first, like looked around and then made that like rocket throw to Fryermuth like up the seam. And I was just like, Oh man, this guy is so ready. That's great. That's a yeah, great example. So hopefully we continue to see more of that and that continues to grow. Well, what about what about Cooper Rush? Are the Cowboys really a threat with him under center, or is he just managing things until Dak Prescott gets back? Because if you listen to some Cowboys fan, you think that he's like, you know, they're unbelievably excited about him. But I, I like to joke that all NFL fan, all NFL teams have a faction of fans that are just batshit crazy. I think that's just the best way <laughs> that I can put it. Um, are are we listening to a batshit crazy element of of the Cowboys fans who think that Cooper Rush is for the real deal as a like permanent starter type of player? <laughs> I think they're just tired of uh, Dak Prescott kind of like messing things up uh, because Cooper Rush is not going to be like a long term answer. Yeah. Uh, and what you just said about the four to six games uh, to really get to know a quarterback, they're in that right now. You know, they be, um, they be a mediocre Bengals team. Like, at the time where, you know, they were just, like, Joe Burrow didn't, he, like, in the beginning of the season, he just didn't have it together. That offensive line was just like, it's a brand new offensive line. And we all know that the, that the offense is pretty much based around if the offensive line can block. The best teams usually have the best offensive lines. And it was just like, an anomaly last year that Joe Burrow did so well uh, with Jamar Chase and kind of like getting the yak, but it was because, you know, they had no film on him. Yeah. So it was just like, all right, just give it, throw it up to Jamar Chase. Now they can't do that because they know how everybody plays. So it was just like, now it was up to the offensive line to kind of step up and play well. Um, and so that, that is just like, I kind of got lost into the, the whole Bengals side there, but, that was the whole reason why they beat them. Otherwise, they be a Giants team who should not be three and one, yeah. like Saquon Barkley. But the defense, the Cowboys defense, bailed them out. I think they got five sacks. It was yeah. just like, so the defense bailed them out of that one. Um, you know, they played Carson Wentz and the Commanders. It's just like Dak Prescott would have won those games too. Yeah. And right now, like last week. Cooper Rush, um, like, yeah, he hasn't thrown a single interception, but if you watch the last week's game, he actually threw two interceptions that were brought back because of, like, holding penalties or something, like, stupid. But he, And I don't think he knew about those penalties when he made that throw, <laughs> when he made those two throws. Gotcha. Um, I'm pretty sure he didn't know about them. They just happened to be brought back. Uh, maybe because it's America's team, I'm not sure. But, I mean, yeah, he plays well. Uh, right now, I think Cooper uh, Cooper Rush is like top five in the NFL um, with, uh, dang, what was it? Um, he was doing really well, um, not completions, but I think average depth of target yeah, uh, is a seven. It's actually pretty high. Um, and he's, he's not taking huge chances. He's being like really conservative. Um, but usually when you're conservative, you're like checking the ball down or you're just running like quick slants. But I think the offensive scheme is helping him because that average depth of tar target is just like, I don't know. I think it's pretty high for him to just be, um, you know, just kind of like checking the ball down and everyone else is making, yeah. you know, the, the moves. I think he's doing well with, with staying poised, uh, with making his reads, um, but when you put him under pressure, that that's when he's making mistakes. Yep. And the, right now it's going to be the fifth game. You said four to six games in order for NFL teams to know your quarterback. And this is where I think it's going to start going downhill 
where Cowboys fans are going to ask for De- Dak Prescott to come back in. Yeah, I think so. Because it's like to me, it's like that at first four to six weeks. That's where teams start to watch the tape, and then over the next six to eight weeks, they start implementing things because they can't throw the whole kitchen sink at them at once. They may not have the personnel to do certain things. They may not know for sure whether you know whether Rush can do certain things or not. They're going to test certain things out that they think have the highest chance of success for them. But Rush, I, I, what you stated is perfect from what I remember seeing him just as a scouting report, which was when he, you know, when you allow him to stick to the scheme and to the structure of the play, he's very good. Yeah, he will go downfield. He's, you know, he's he's basically your baseline professional quarterback, which means that not necessarily a starter but a guy who can come into a game and yeah. if everything goes as planned, it's fine. When it doesn't, when it veers from that plan, haywire, things just short circuit, you know, and that's kind exactly. of where he's at. Well, one thing that definitely doesn't short circuit is our opportunity to, to have these conversations on a weekly basis, you know, every couple of weeks, um, you know, you know, this is always a lot of fun to get a catch up with Lori and talk about the league and where it's heading. Um, you can subscribe to the RSP cast, um, on you know pretty much every outlet that podcasts are available spotify itunes um, podbean any any of those types of sites um, it, i've made it available there you can find Lori at td wire you can also find her on twitter at Lori fitzpatrick um, and that's f-i-t-z-p-t-r-c-k just like you yeah. see up here on the screen. Well, you won't see it because we're not doing video. But uh, that's, how, that's how you spell it. And you can find me at Matt Waldman um, and MattWaldmanRSP.com. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you soon.